Welcome to Pemba On Demand. I'm Norm Chapin, your host. I am very excited to welcome you to our podcast. Pemba On Demand is produced for physicians interested in professional development. We will be discussing a wide range of topics on the podcast. I will be interviewing physician leaders from the U.S. and from other countries who have graduated from the Physician Executive MBA program at the University of Tennessee. These physicians will be sharing stories of professional and personal growth, overcoming challenges in their organizations, and discussing key leadership skills they have learned from the MBA program and ongoing professional development. In this episode of Pemba On Demand, Physician Leaders Making a Difference, we are releasing the live stream with Dr. Sandy Valino-Stock from our November 14th, 2023 live stream. Dr. Stock is a family medicine physician who has founded a concierge direct primary care practice and Vogue Med and Wellness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pemba On Demand live stream. I'm Norm Chapin, host of the live stream. The University of Tennessee Haslam College of Business is the sponsor of this live stream and podcast. Pemba On Demand has been developed to provide education for physician leaders and bring the latest and most relevant topics to you. Pemba On Demand will allow you to be an even bigger force for good in healthcare. We have made CME available for this live stream. Simply visit tiny, that's T-I-N-Y dot U-T-K dot E-D-U forward slash Pemba On Demand to obtain your CME certificate. My guest today is Dr. Sandy Valino-Stock. She will be discussing entrepreneurship in concierge medicine and direct primary care in our live stream today. Sandy completed her family medicine residency in 2006 and practiced for 15 years in a family medicine practice, including inpatient rounding, before founding En Vogue Med and Wellness in 2022. Today, we'll be learning a lot about direct primary care and concierge medicine today as Sandy shares her story with us. Sandy, welcome to Pemba On Demand. Thank you, Norm. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. Before we get started with your presentation, I was wondering if you would just mind sharing with us a little about your motivation to found En Vogue Med and Wellness. Well, actually, I uh, was not in the back of my mind, I think I always wanted to um, open a practice that really catered to treating patients as consumers. Uh, however, when I started Pemba, I didn't realize that that's what I was going to do. So um, it wasn't until about halfway through Pemba that I really missed the clinical world of medicine. And um, I had a lot to give to the community still. And using what I learned in Pemba, um, it gave me the greater confidence and um, sparked um, my interest again in returning to clinical medicine. So I will turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you. So today is your lucky day because today I'm introducing a blue ocean to the U.S. healthcare industry. We are facing a number of rising problems, rising costs for employers and employee out-of-pocket costs. There's a severe physician shortage, especially in primary care. We have more than half of physicians are burnt out and and the healthcare systems have not been keeping up with consumer innovations. Hence, we have outdated technology and inefficient procedures. These industry woes give rise to multiple opportunities. Post-COVID research estimates that up to 55,000 primary care physicians will be needed in the U.S. by 2030. Currently, the average wait for a primary care physician appointment is 20 days, and once seen, appointments are rushed. So it's not surprising that the compound annual growth rate in concierge medicine um, for the next seven years is 10%. Plus, uh, according to Hint Health, in direct primary care, the average annual growth rate um, from 2017 to 2021 was 36%. Additively, is uh, the direct primary care market has grown 241% in this time. Moreover, um, the state of health in the U.S. is declining such that 42% of U.S. adults, they meet the criteria for obesity. 
So this gives rise to a number of medical conditions that lead to a shorter lifespan, lower quality of life, and astronomical healthcare costs. So it's not surprising that the uh, medical weight loss industry has a compound annual growth rate of 10% for the next seven years. And this data does not reflect the recent popularity of the GLP-1 agonists such as um, semaglutide um, being promoted uh, by social media influencers. The COVID uh, pandemic sparked a growing demand for personalized healthcare in the U.S., and consumers are more willing to spend for this, uh, especially for their health than previously. Uh, particularly my um, service area uh, presumably has a, an income to do this uh, with $95,000 um, per year annual household incomes um, and surrounding suburbs even higher. Um, and while there are a number of medical weight loss clinics uh, in the area and online, these clinics, they cannot manage um, the adjustments that are needed in patients' medications for their chronic conditions such diabetes and uh, hypertension as they achieve weight loss. In my geographic area research, aside from myself, there's only one designated um, physician for both primary care and medical weight loss. I'm Dr. Sandy Valino-Stock. I am a double-boarded physician in family medicine to develop the acumen um, to realize the solutions I can offer to the communities I influence. Upon starting PEMBA, um, I didn't know I would be uh, starting my own medical brand, but rather go into hospital administration. So after my medical training in 2006, uh, I did practice uh, for a nonprofit um, system for 15 years. And in that time, I've seen firsthand how the transformation of medicine has negatively affected the clinical workforce and my large patient panel. So uh, before graduating PEMBA, I launched Envogue Med and Wellness. We are not just another doctor's office. We are a brand with the goal to bring change to our patient team. Our first core service is the elevated patient experience. We are obsessed with the patient experience and customer journey. Healthcare is so behind in addressing pain points throughout the customer journey, whether it's from the time a patient contemplates making a doctor's appointment to seeing a physician um, to receiving a bill months later for a surprise amount based on insurance plan coverage and negotiated rates. We elevate the patient experience compared to other health systems via smaller patient panels. We have secure direct uh, messaging with your doctor, and scheduling, same or next day availability, minimal or no waits in the office for your appointment, online pre-registration and intake, click to pay and auto billing, and we also help coordinate uh, specialists and tests um, that are ordered if they are needed on a more urgent basis. Plus, our uh, patient appointments are longer than industry, industry standards. Our second core service is comprehensive primary care. We provide comprehensive pre uh, preventive care that is tailored to patients' needs and desired approach to health, holistic for them. For acute illness management, our goal is to avoid urgent cares or ER visits if possible. For chronic illness management, uh, Envogue Med and Wellness has time to be detail-oriented, and patients can have close follow-up when indicated, since it's easy to get appointments or access to a doctor that knows them well. Any exacerbations or new developments in medical conditions can be addressed in a timely manner. By doing so, this can and does minimize morbidity, complications, and costs. If it's are necessary, we can see patients via telemedicine or in the office. What I mean is there are times when a patient's medical needs can be addressed through a quick, direct message or a call between patient and doctor. This can eliminate the need for a billable encounter. In the traditional healthcare system, healthcare providers do not get paid for these quick, less than five-minute encounters. So appointments are made, which devour patient and healthcare worker time and be an inconvenience to patients. Our third course service is personalized medical weight management. This includes lifestyle modification coaching, 
body fat percent tracking and referring to a trusted nutritionist or dietitian as needed, uh, collaborating with bariatric surgeons in preparation for and post-operative care of patients, and prescribe weight loss medications if needed. What's unique, as I mentioned earlier, um, is that uh, in Vogue Med and Wellness, we can monitor patients' chronic conditions in response to weight loss, so we can adjust their medications to prevent emergent and uh, expensive complications, such as severe episodes of low blood sugar and uh, low blood pressure. To recap, our company delivers comprehensive, primary care, and personal weight management with a distinctive elevated customer experience that patients have difficulty finding in healthcare. In addition to our core services, Envogue Med and Wellness is considering future value-added services such as aesthetics in the form of uh, injections such as Botox uh, or fillers, anti-aging such as um, pelleting, and even personalized genetic medicine. The point is, is that I am absolutely free to choose. As an employed physician, I was seeing 30 patients a day, clicking hundreds of boxes on the screen to meet quality measures and spending more time documenting than seeing patients. Checking these boxes and increased documentation requirements did not make me a better doctor because I was already practicing high-quality medicine. Most doctors do. Now, as a doctorpreneur, as I call myself, I can expend my energy tailoring my craft so I can provide the best care for my patients and meet market demand. For example, does a 50-year-old woman with hot flashes, weight gain, and difficulty sleeping really care um, about value-based care in regards to her symptoms? Likely not. So you may wonder, how is this achieved? The answer is signing up for a monthly membership, which covers the cost for non-covered services or services deemed medically unnecessary by commercial or government industry standards. We have two types of membership, premier care and direct primary care. Patients receive the same care with either membership. Patients can use their membership for either primary care or medical weight management or both. The difference is how their services are billed. Premier Care Fee Structure is a concierge-style membership. Many people are familiar um, with this. We have a monthly membership fee. In our case, it's a lower than industry standard membership fee, plus fee for service billable uh, covered services for the primary care and medical weight management. In this model, patients are still, since they're using their insurance, they are responsible for co-pays and co-insurance. Our uh, low monthly membership fee, it is um, based on age group. The higher the um, age range, the uh, more expensive the um, membership tier. This supports that elevated patient experience that we talked about. In addition, um, the membership uh, entitles patients to discounts on prescription-only natural supplements and the um, value-added services, which are generally not covered by insurances, discounts for those. The direct primary care fee structure, or DPC as we call it, consists of a monthly membership plus discounts on tests and labs that are not uh, part of the monthly membership. The monthly memberships are higher than the premier care fee structure because they include not only the elevated patient experience, but also unlimited primary care visits and unlimited medical weight management consults. This contrasts to America's traditional third-party billing um, and reimbursement setup, where patients and doctors generally have no idea what the actual amount a patient is billed or the amount paid to the doctor until days or weeks after an encounter. Again, since membership is, uh, the fee is paid regardless of patient's utilization, as long as a patient's medical needs are met in a timely manner, the need to spend half the day going to the doctor is eliminated. This means addressing medical needs sooner 
with lower costs and less time missed from work. Of note, Medicare Part B patients, uh, they can only join the premier care membership. They cannot join direct primary care. This is because government insurances do not allow covered services to be paid by a patient or other entity except them. The uh, DPC membership is either paid by employers, we call that employer-sponsored, or a patient pays directly out of pocket. Sometimes employers will give patients funds to pay for the um, membership. The benefit of DPC is that there is no third-party insurance billing for the membership, which means there are no co-pays or co-insurance or deductibles for patients when they receive uh, primary care services. So you may wonder, well, what about if someone has to go to a specialist or um, has to be in the hospital? The answer is that um, by utilizing um, direct primary care memberships, most of a patient's medical needs are addressed in that membership. But for those specialty uh, care services, more higher acute services, patients do have um, either third-party commercial insurance, and uh, those are less costly to the employer and to the employee. Or some employers are self-funded, so um, the employers will pay um, negotiated rates um, to the specialist and or um, hospital system. If there is very large um, medical costs involved for these self-funded plans, um, many um, companies will have a stop-loss insurance or a catastrophic insurance to protect their maximum uh, out-of-pocket costs. So in essence, it's like uh, using health insurance the same way we use car insurance or home insurance. For basic care and maintenance for our cars or our houses, we pay out of pocket for these services. But for catastrophic events such as a car accident or hurricane damage, um, that's when insurance coverage kicks in. Nowadays, Envogue Med and Wellness is also competing with local nonprofit medical groups and for-profit entities, all trying to um, that are trying to disrupt the traditional healthcare system. However, we check more boxes for what healthcare consumers want. That includes uh, providers that know your name, same or next day visits, longer appointments. Discounts on labs and imaging if paying out of pocket, transparent pricing, and the ability to directly message your provider securely. God willing, Envogue Men Wellness um, plans to grow the business to multiple locations in Chicagoland. I plan to open um, another location about every two years uh, so um, that in um, by the end of year five or six, I'll have three locations at Chicagoland um, and then beyond that based on market demand. I will also add experienced uh, providers um, that can include physicians, um, but also nurse practitioners and physician assistants to us to existing locations to increase capacity. Uh, and by growing the organization, this will help meet the organization's goals to increase awareness and demand for concierge style medicine and direct primary care in Chicagoland. Currently, the awareness is uh, very low and in only certain small pockets, generally in the fairly affluent areas. My hope is to expand it um, all over Chicagoland, the awareness. Um, this model, it provides an avenue for improving accessibility to high quality and experienced healthcare. Remember, there is a growing shortage um, of physicians, especially in primary care, given the increased demand and decreased supply of physicians who are either retiring um, from medicine or deterred from entering primary care. I hope that my organization will uh, be seen as an avenue of improved working conditions for uh, primary care providers. This is by um, creating a better work-life balance, uh, decreasing burnout, and keeping physicians in the workforce longer. 
My organization's mission provides another avenue to target the quadruple aim of healthcare that uh, most of us are aware of. And just as a reminder, those components are the enhanced patient experience, lowering healthcare costs, improving the health of the general population, and reducing burnout of the health of healthcare workers. We are an alternative to value-based care, which so far uh, has not resulted in decreased healthcare costs for employers nor patients. In fact, uh, commercial healthcare premiums are increasing seven to nine percent. In summary, Envogue Med and Wellness is it's truly unique because we streamline the entire patient experience without depersonalizing it. And this reduces unnecessary work for our staff and providers. We can spend time with our patients or save time for our patients, providing quality health care at reduced health care costs. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sandy. That was a great, great presentation. As you can see, we have information on the slide right now ways that you can contact Sandy if you have any other questions, um, including her her phone number. And we will include those on the website as well in case you don't get a chance to, to catch those. This podcast is sponsored by the Physician Executive MBA program at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville's Haslam College of Business. In less than one calendar year, This program will equip you with valuable business acumen and leadership development not found in traditional medical school curriculum. Are you ready to join the longest-running physician-only MBA program in the country and a network of nearly 1,000 Pemba graduates? Visit tiny.utk.edu forward slash POD podcast for information about this exciting opportunity. And now we'll return to the episode. So at this point, Sandy, I kind of wanted to go back and ask a couple of questions. And then we have a few comments in the comment section, which we'll get to in a minute. But I wonder if you could talk for a minute and compare. You alluded to this in your presentation, your your current or, or the work week that you had when you were working in a more traditional family medicine setting. And a lot of the frustration that physicians have now with burnout and the amount of time they have to spend in the EMR. But could you give us a comparison of what your normal workday and work week is like at Envogue Med and Wellness compared to what it was like in that more traditional setting? Yes. Um, so the um, the statement that entrepreneurs wear many hats is very, very true. It's very interesting. So I'm actually, I don't have any um, employees yet. Um, I've chosen to keep my operating costs very low. And so with that, it requires me to get my uh, hands dirty. And uh, so I'm doing everything. I from the credentialing to my front desk, and I'm uh, I do my own billing. Um, I'm doing my own marketing. I have, but I do have vendors that I work with to um, alleviate um, some of the the duties. Um, but it's great because um, my day consists of switching, taking one hat off, putting on another on. Um, I think I've had four meetings already um, this morning, and that was mixed in with patient visits. So um, I had a meeting with my virtual assistants. We were talking about my um, the web page. My we're redoing my website. Um, then I had another meeting with um, you know a collaboration. Um, it's really exciting. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Um, At the same time, though, my schedule is much more flexible. So I'm a big believer that um, if there is not work to be done, someone doesn't have to just sit in an office. um, Because um, as a provider, my patients can reach me anywhere, whether it's um, we have a telemedicine visit or in the office. So um, it makes it... um, much more convenient for healthcare providers um, to be able to address small things um, that they need to out of work without sacrificing the dedication um, to our patients. So it's re- it's really exciting um, to be able to um, and to do different things, particularly on the business side of um, being an entrepreneur. It's really exciting utilizing the things that I learned in Pemba. Very. 
When did you actually open your door to your first patient? October 27th of last year. So uh, my my uh, OAP, my final project was the business plan for En Vogue Med and Wellness. Um, we did not, I did not present that until I think the second week in December. Um, but I being as motivated as I am, I ended up launching before the whole, well, I completed the business plan, but um, yeah, I mean, my, I, it's amazing. I took different um, assignments that we had during PEMBA, such as assignments in marketing, uh, market analysis, um, and then even the lessons we had like in um, IT all those things, they came together when I was putting together my business. And it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, so I actually use every bit of what I learned in PEMBA um, to help run my business. So, oh, and then we also had um, not only the business plan, but we had to do the um, Baldridge organizational profile. Um, and admittedly, at first, I didn't quite understand. I'm like, why are we doing this profile when we have this, when we're do- learning about business plans? But there's a lot more to that business profile, um, even though it was a new um, organization, because um, that profile literally helps set. It's like writing a handbook for my organization. It's the framework, um, whereas a business plan. Um, it's not just more theory, but um, it doesn't have um, protocols and ex- or details on how you're going to run an organization. So I'm really proud that um, uh, Don Leiter uh, had us do that assignment. <laughs> it sounds like it made a big difference in how you bring processes into your practice. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, everything from, well, we learned about Lean Six Sigma, and I actually use that organizational profile. It's basically basically a handbook. So it's, it did save me time in the end um, in how I run my processes. And then it helps keep me on track. So as an entrepreneur trying to pivot, uh, meeting market demand and such, um, trying to change my processes as needed, it does help keep me grounded and reminding me what my mission statement is, what my vision is, why I'm doing it, and um, who or how I'm going to um, run my business. Great. Thank you. What what percentage of your day right now, you mentioned the many different hats that you wear as a doctorpreneur. What percentage of your time is involved in direct patient care currently after being up and running for the first year? I would say half. Uh, I started my practice de novo, so with zero patients. Um, it does take time to grow, especially I understand um, this um, business model and fee structure. Um, it's I'm one of the early adopters to it, so in the diffusion of innovation curve. Um, I'm hoping that with my organization can contribute to um, – um, the uh, DPC model um, and even the concierge model from becoming um, more popular. And so um, right now um, it, it does take time to grow, but I'm confident because there are many DPC practices in the country that are um, where the awareness is higher that are very successful and have expanded to multiple locations. What is your goal for your panel size when your, when your practice matures? Um, at the at the smallest, it would be three hundred to three hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, although um, my goal is, I, I do want, even though I have smaller patient panels, my goal is to have a reach of as many patients as possible within this model. So, even upwards of a thousand patients in a patient panel, depending on. Um, what well, myself or other providers, whatever they can handle. So by having a lower than average um, con- uh, concierge style fee, the premier care fee, um, that it would um, it does require a higher patient panel. But at the same time, um, with the way the model is uh, structured, um, you can care for a lot of patients, but yet still at a much smaller percentage of what I saw before. I have a couple of other questions, and then I thought maybe we'd get to some of the questions and comments from uh, from the listeners, if you don't mind. Sure. So Absolutely. I noticed when you were giving your presentation that you have a have kind of two different types of practice. You have the direct primary care versus premier care. 
when you went into concierge medicine and direct primary care, was it always your intent to have an arm of your practice where you would accept insurance? I know that many of my friends who've done DPC or concierge medicine specifically uh, have have basically disenrolled, if that's the right term, from from yeah. commercial and governmental payers. Yes. So I was, when I started uh, the practice, I was not planning on um, accepting any insurance uh, for, to make it streamlined. Um, So I did opt out of Medicare initially. And then um, the demand, my my market demand um, really wanted to use their insurance. Um, People say, well, I have this insurance, I want to use it. Uh, so to cultivate that, I then re-enrolled in Medicare and applied for correct uh, credential than the um, big insurance companies at the same time. So that that actually helped a lot. Um, so the direct primary care piece, um, I'm working on adding that model um, where there's no um, insurance. So there is a, a fine line. You do have to be very careful with the legal structures and um, how you structure memberships and things like that. So that's where um, I'm taking up a challenge on that. Um, there, It is uh, challenging, but at the same time, I'm confident that I can accommodate um, both uh, business models in my practice. So do you think that this will become an option for a larger number of patients, um, members in society who really depend on their insurance to kind of offset the cost of health care, um, specifically governmental payers like Medicare and Medicaid? As you said, the rules for, for th- working with them are voluminous, and, uh, but do you think you've found a way to navigate through that and still benefit patients, give them more time with you and really be able to focus on the needs that they have? Yes, uh, I am. I'm fairly confident. There's, there are different target segments that my business serves. It would be wonderful. We could serve everyone, but I realized that uh, my business uh, cannot serve everyone. Um, The main targets are people who need more convenience, um, whether they mean they just don't have the time, if they're busy, say executives that travel and they can't go into the doctor, or even busy moms, they just, they need to get in when they when for the little time that they have. Or there are patients that are have very complicated um, health conditions. So they do need that extra time with the doctor. Um, And then, uh, and then in terms of cost, so patients who have um, or even employers who need to cut down on those um, the uh, health insurance premiums or health benefits. Um, this avenue on the direct primary care side does answer that, and that actually then uh, target uh, patients for under direct primary care is literally the average family. Um, so in that regard, there are different target segments that we have, um, and I'm okay with that. Have there been any other modifications that you made to your business plan since you presented it at, at, as your OAP, like the insurance issue? Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, the insurance issue. So my initial fee structure was, I played with it around instead of using the classic um, DPC fee structure where it's only age based. I had, um, um, I played around with it and so I experimented, but it, and it didn't work out too great. It was a little too complicated, but the point being is that I'm always trying to be aware of, um, what is working, what doesn't. Um, I'm a big fan of lean startup where, um, you have that minimally viable product and you tweak your, your model or your product to make it work until you, something clicks with your market that you're trying to serve. So yes, I have had, um, modifications. But at the same time, um, I'm still keeping true to the mission and purpose of why I started Envogue Med. Okay, thank you. One of the things you mentioned in your presentation, which I'd like to get your comment on is, there's a lot of news and noise now about physician shortage. And burnout's one huge contributor to this problem. 
but I'd be interested to know, what do you think the net effect of an increasing number of these direct primary care practices will have on the physician shortage issue? On the one hand, you have smaller panel sizes. On the other hand, you have a model of care that is very satisfying to patients and and addresses their health needs in a way that um, potentially these high-volume primary care practices can't. So what what are your thoughts on how that is all going to settle out? So I am hoping that my business model is going to um, decrease the um, amount of burnouts for a physician. Um, having another avenue that a physician as they whether they just cannot dedicate um, or accommodate the high volume that's needed in uh, traditional healthcare, primary care. Um, my model, it's, it's more laid back. It's very consumer centric. And so what's great is that not only can I keep, maybe we keep uh, physicians from retiring earlier than they hoped, uh, plan to, but also even for the healthcare workers too. I know there, there's a shortage of not just doctors. We know that, you know, even healthcare workers, it's hard to find, um, staff, MAs, nurses, um, front desk, et cetera. So, um, if, if an, uh, the purpose is to really build a culture that is, um, that's feasible. You can't overwork anyone um, forever. It's just not feasible. So with this um, work model, um, we will be able to, um, it, it'll reflect the positive culture reflects on patients. And then if you have uh, happy patients, then that also does. There's studies that show that the culture of a workplace is also positive. So um, the one thing um, that is that I'm doing with direct primary care that's a little bit different. I did mention there are um, organizations that have expanded and scaled. Um, they employ direct primary care doctors, but most direct primary care doctors in the nation, there are over 2,000 of them, um, they remain independent. They want to be independent. Um, however, a lot of doctors, um, they don't have the luxury to go and leave their employed job and then go open up their own practice. It does cost some money. Um, so many doctors will have a part-time gig to support that. But um, so one thing that my practice is is going to do is employ um, doctors who do want to make that switch into direct primary care. Great. Thank you. So let's take a few questions from the audience right now. We've got... Um, question here. First of all, in the in the chat, we did put the website where you can go to get your CME. Uh, but one of the questions we had was the measuring the patient experience. How do you measure patient experience in your practice? Uh, well, the, we send out surveys um, after patient visits, um, the Google reviews, well, growth by uh, patient growth, membership growth, referrals. Um, one of my software programs that um, manages membership, you can run reports. And uh, for instance, you can track um, if a patient uh, leaves a practice, you could track the churn, the reason why patients left the practice. Um, so, or um, even how did patients hear about the practice? So you can run reports. That's very important to do. So, and I'm sorry, are these surveys ones that you've developed internally or do you use a marketing company or a customer relations company to provide you with the questions? Uh, so far I've uh, created my own, but I am working with um, uh, a marketing person to help develop um, surveys and automate them even more. And um, so the answer is both. <laughs> okay. So the next uh, question was, fee collection and whether or not you've run into any challenges uh, regarding patients paying the membership fee or paying uh, on the insurance side now that you have that the copays and when those are collected so in terms of the membership fees my patients they um, when they sign on um, we have their credit card on file with their permission it's very secure and uh, they click the box for auto pay at each billing cycle i do have in my membership um, patients have a minimum of a three-month membership and um, if they want to opt out of the membership they can at least seven days um, in advance um, so far, um, uh, 
patients, they're, they're paying them. I mean, because patients are happy with the membership, it's a very different model that they're used to. And so it's just such a, uh, a relief. And I keep my memberships low to make it um, feasible for patients to have this recurring membership on the, on the, um, on the side of billing, again, that's something I've learned to do myself. Um, fortunately, billing um, software has gotten a lot more user friendly, along the kind of along the lines of how Apple products are very user friendly. I don't see the behind the scenes technicalities of things, um, so um, I'm able to submit the bills and um, again automate things so that um, uh, collection times. At, the we're collecting um, less about 30 less than 30 days um, from the time of encounter which is pretty good do you have a process in your office where uh, patients can pay at the time of service uh, yes. Yeah, so if patients are uh, self-pay, I like I said, I have transparent pricing. And so patients just, I tell them what the bill is and they enter their credit card and they pay literally on the spot. So um, it, that really, really helps. Can you share with us a little bit about what you found in terms of um, retention of patients? And basically, uh, once patients sign up, I guess, what percentage of them are renewing at the end of that 90-day membership and which per, which what percentage may opt out uh i would say i certainly have less than temper i i would say even five percent churn rate mm. of um memberships yeah it's pretty good because like i said patients they're so relieved that there's a doctor that um can hear them out that they can get in um efficiently and that they can uh, directly message me. So I've had patients that were not necessarily sure um, about joining. They're like, oh, I'll just try the three months. But people have signed and stayed on. It's it's pretty amazing. The patients who have had churn, one woman was, um, it was because the she was only seeing me for medical weight management. She had her own primary care doctor. And so um, her needs for the medical weight management um, were completed. And so that's um, how that was one example of churn. Um, But we do have, if a patient is not able to afford a membership, we do work with uh, patients so that we could uh, retain them as best as possible. What about uh, telehealth services? We have one question from a viewer. Do you provide telehealth services and how does that work on a subscription basis? Yes, we do have telehealth. Um, It's baked into um, both uh, fee structures. So for the premier care um, that we, you know, I just bill a telehealth um, visit um, using the appropriate codes and modifiers. Um, insurance companies do reimburse um, each year post from post COVID. The amount that they're reimbursing is is changing a little bit. So I'll be curious how that is in like about 2025. And then for um, the DPC members, um, that's part of their their monthly membership. So again, it doesn't matter their monthly membership. It doesn't matter if they're seen in the office via telemedicine or even literally addressing their medical concerns via um, uh, instant messaging that's secure. It doesn't matter as long as we take care of what they need. What about, there was another question, we talked a little bit about this, but I think this is a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a different focus. Um, Does your office bill the insurance companies directly for services or does the patient get the bill from you and then submit the invoice to the, to the carrier? Uh, so yes, the answer is I do bill in for the premier care model. I do bill, um, the services directly to the insurance company. Um, there are many, um, concierge practices who do, they say they accept insurance, but they are not in network providers. So patients will have to, um, pay for their visit and then at the time of point of service and then, um, um, getting a printout or a super bill of the to submit to their insurance companies. I don't. I actually um, opted to not do that okay. for my patients. The last question we have from the audience um, is how what your system is for managing after hours calls and after hours service needs, weekends, that kind of thing. 
Yeah. So uh, in the membership uh, contract, I actually uh, state and um, set the boundary that even though we provide very high uh, quality accessible uh, care, um, I do set the boundaries um, of mutual respect that I, while I am available 24-7, um, again, I'm a, I'm a, I don't have any other providers so far on my practice, but um, I am the one who manages my um, messages even after I receive everything after hours. Um, but if it's not urgent, I do encourage my patients to um, have discretion as to when they send their um, messages. And patients are very, they're very understanding. They tell me, no, why did you answer me? Don't answer me now. It's um, <laughs> wait until tomorrow. So um, yeah, my, I, my, and I, they do not message me in the middle of the night. Um, so it's, it's, it's been great. People are worry about um, needing to cover yourself 24 um, seven, but actually it's, it's been fine. One of the things that I thought of as you, you were with your practice and with your not-for-profit organization for over 15 years, which is quite a long commitment. Uh, I'd be interested in what emotions you had as you made this decision to leave your colleagues, uh, leave the organization that you had kind of grown up in as a physician after you finished your residency. And can you share a little bit about those feelings, both maybe on the positive and the and the negative side as you uh, work through this transformation of your practice and yourself so i i um it was um bittersweet um the bitter part was just simply because i was tired and i was entering a new phase in my life um i had just gotten married and i needed to develop a better work-life uh balance and um for me to do that it did require me to um step away from what i was used to um i left the organization on very good terms. I love the organization. I'm very loyal to it. Um, I actually got uh, admitting privileges to a sister hospital as well. Um, I So I, um, yeah, I actually considered going back. I was actually asked to be the doctor to launch a concierge practice for that healthcare system locally. And so, but that was an honor. Um, but then I, I turned that down graciously because I want to be able to do this practice my way. Um, not to, not because I'm stubborn, but I just learned so many things in Pemba that, uh, when, and, and so I am so obsessed with that patient journey and patient care. I wanted a way, uh, an organization that I could mold and create something where um, there are efficient processes. If something doesn't work, I would change it. It is difficult for large organizations to make changes quickly. I mean, if it's um, no secret and it's to no fault of theirs, but um, you could say that I'm impatient, but um, uh, I'm someone, if something doesn't work, like get rid of it. So um, I, I'm in that phase now. And so it's been pretty liberating. It's scary. Um but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it all ends. <laughs> Maybe it won't end. <laughs> well, one last, I guess one last question is we've, we've had a very wide ranging conversation and I, I speak, I really appreciate uh, your transparency and all the information you've shared. Is there any other information that you would like to share maybe for a physician that's interested in DPC and concierge medicine, any resources that uh, you found particularly valuable or learnings that you've had over the past year that you would like to share with us before we close? Yes. The, the biggest thing I would say is, um, well, first there's the whole follow your, your heart aspect because you only live once and you really have to pay attention with like, why, why are you doing something? And because if you do end up starting your business, you're going to be asking yourself that every day. You'll be like, why did I do this? Oh my gosh, the alternative is so much easier. I could go back and be making, you know, good money. And I'd have my a big patient panel and all this, uh, it'd be, things would be easier, but harder at the same time. So, um, 
you have to, it just keeps you grounded if you stay true to what you really want. And um, the other thing too, is that networking. Networking is something that um, as a doctor, I didn't really have to do because patients came to me. But now as an entrepreneur, um, very, very important. I learned that it's, uh, that you need to network. And it's not just to really say drum up business, but it's really for collaboration and very, very important to uh, not be shy about um, seeking out mentors um, so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel because they already, you don't want to make the same mistake that someone else did. And someone else doesn't want you to make the same mistake that they did. So um, it's actually easy to find um, mentorship and um, definitely it can greatly expand um, uh, your opportunities and chance of success. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sandy. We really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Norm. It was great. It was really a lot of fun. It was was. a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join the Pemba On Demand live stream today. We will be having more live streams discussing relevant topics for physician leaders. We'll also be releasing the content from the live streams as podcasts, and we'll be releasing additional podcasts every other week. Information on the podcast and how you can can subscribe and access the podcast will be available on the major podcast players and on our website. You'll be able to listen to the podcasts and view them on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, for example, Stitcher, and others. I'd like to give a very special thank you and a shout out to Kate Ashley, the Executive Director for the Healthcare Division for Graduate and Executive Education at the Haslam College of Business, University of Tennessee, and Dr. Don Leiter, Professor at the University of Tennessee and Director of the Institute for Healthcare Quality Research and Education. Their support for this program is very, very much appreciated. Thanks also to Tom Brown. Sharath Shreeman, and Christy Knapper for their work in support of this program. Please remember that CME is available for this live stream. Just visit tiny.utk.edu forward slash Pemba On Demand to obtain your CME certificate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pemba On Demand, taken from our November 14th live stream with Sandy. I enjoyed interviewing Sandy and hearing her story of moving through burnout and discovering a practice model that allowed her to use the knowledge gained in the PEMBA program and continue to practice medicine. This allowed her to provide value and expertise to her patients. PEMBA On Demand, Physicians Making a Difference podcasts are released bi-monthly on Thursdays. Each of our live streams is recorded and released as one podcast a month. We also have guests and content in addition to the content presented on the live streams. Two upcoming episodes include The Impact of Artificial Intelligence in Healthcare with Dr. Amit Prasad and Quality in Healthcare with Dr. Ram Raju. I enjoyed the prospect of having you listen to these and gain some insights from these two physician leaders. The Pemba On Demand live streams occur monthly. They are usually scheduled on the third Tuesday of each month, 11 months out of the year. We don't have a live stream in the month of December because of the holidays. Please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Pemba On Demand. That's all one word with a hyphen between the word on and demand. This will provide you with the schedule of future live streams. Please subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell to be notified of our upcoming live streams. That wraps up our show for today. Thank you very much for joining and listening to the podcast. If you have any comments or questions regarding this episode, please feel free to add them in the comment section on our website, tiny.utk.edu forward slash pod podcast. We love hearing from you and are happy to answer any questions you may have. I will add a link to the website below. Please also don't forget to subscribe to the podcast by clicking the subscribe button. Add Pemba On Demand to your podcast library today. I would also appreciate it if you could leave a review of the podcast on your podcast player. Share the podcast with your friends and colleagues also. Please take good care of yourselves and as always, good luck with your future.